Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, Megan Hall, psychology grad student, spouse, mom, and advocate for change. On this podcast, I provide a space for women to share their stories. Warning, sometimes we chat about taboo topics and drop some F-bombs. Thank you for tuning in with me today and enjoy the episode. Hey, everyone. Today, I'm here with Tiani. Tiani is a performing artist, creative director, and public speaker who focuses on immersive storytelling experiences that awaken and empower audiences with creative tools for personal transformation. Well, you're in the right place for immersive storytelling here. (laughs) (laughs) She cites her Polynesian Croatian background, nomadic upbringing, and a decade of living in Kenya as her main sources of inspiration in cultivating creative experiences that bridge divides. Ooh, that's a lot of places to live. Um, (laughs) You bet around. It's okay. Uh, She has been invited to speak and perform at TEDx, Yale University, which isn't far from my house, uh, Creative Visions Foundations, uh, Gender Smart Investing Summit, and more. During a decade of working across America and Africa, Tihani has contributed to a diverse range of projects from New York Fashion Week, Revolt TV. What is that? I've never heard of that. It's a TV station here in the States owned by P. Diddy. So it's a bunch of different oh. urban, diverse, multicultural content. That's good. To, I'm like, well, that I've never seen that before. So I figured <laughs> if I don't know, maybe other people don't true, know. So I'd ask. True. You know? Um, Vogue Italia and Red Bull, serving her mission to elevate pioneering projects, innovative platforms, and personal brands that seek a 360 approach to growth. In facilitating workshops, presenting keynotes, and providing one-on-one client sessions, Tiani specializes in exploring identity and creativity. With a unique process backed by neuroscience, flow state technology, and sound meditation, In 2021, Tiani discovered a new passion for curating and hosting creative events and mixed media masterclasses in the metaverse. That's the Facebook metaverse, right? So it's not the Facebook metaverse. We could talk about that because I remember one of your episodes, you were like, Facebook owns the metaverse. And I was like, no, I want to help them understand it's not entirely true. Before we hop in your story. Okay. (laughs) Providing educational entertainment experiences and onboarding opportunities for creative entrepreneurs seeking to explore the emerging marketplace of web, web of web three. Well, Tiani, welcome to the podcast. Thank and now you. tell us about metaverse. Yes. Because all I've heard the only time I've ever heard metaverse is Facebook when they yes. change their whatever. Mm-hmm. I know you and so many people and actually me included. And it's very ironic because I am the last person who ever thought I would do anything mm-hmm. with emerging creative technology. I was always mm-hmm. so, so, so anti. And as fate would have it, I actually ended up reconnecting with a long, long, long time friend. His dad was literally the dean of my high school. Oh, um, wow. He was this cool, like blues harmonica playing dude. And then I became friends with his son. And we used to be very, very analog musicians together. And then fast forward a decade later, he was co-founding a metaverse. And when I heard about oh. this, I was angry. I was intrigued. I didn't understand. And luckily was educated by him that the metaverse is not one 
thing. It's it's really like how we have the internet and there's all of these different experiences. Okay. And though we know, yes, it's true. Things like Facebook dominates, of course, so much of our internet experience. There are these little pockets of independently produced um, oasis spaces, you know, oh. that we can participate in. And the metaverse is, that, is exactly the same way. So meta is the metaverse that is created and owned by Facebook. They're very smart because they copy, they did the copyright on meta. So now anyone who associates metaverse, yes, yes, you see, but they are meta. They're not metaverse. The metaverse is like the internet, but it's like, you know, when someone has a Kleenex, but we call it a Kleenex, but really it's a tissue, but the brand has dominated the thing. So just to anyone out there who is, you know, (laughs) suspicious or angry about it, just in a way, stay at least open enough, especially if you're, you know, a content creator, you're an independent entrepreneur of some kind, because the metaverse will become a space where you can, you know, create a big overflow from what the internet is doing right now. But of course, yes, do it in conscientious, ethical and cool ways instead of the crazy corporate ones. Yes. It's like if I wanted, if I was a dick and I just uh, trademarked inspired women and then (laughs) nobody could use inspired. I mean, well, I mean, when we talk about copyright is if somebody was using that far before Mm -hmm. I started it, they could say, actually, technically, even though I don't have a copyright, you can't kick me off this thing because I have mm-hmm. like, uh, I forgot, it's like an unofficial copyright, you know, but if I had wanted to be a dick when I started this podcast and trademark <laughs> inspired women, nobody could use that for their yes. business, like yes. or podcast or anything. And <laughs> part of me is like, I wish I was a dick because it's <laughs> like, there are so many like inspired women type podcasts. It's like, inspired women blah 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 inspired women and I was like you and they always they all started after mine and I'm not saying they're trying wow. to copy me but what I'm trying to say is like you're trying to like surf off of my brand's mm-hmm. name there like because you know when people look in their app they may not remember exactly the name of the podcast yeah. but they're going to remember inspired women or inspired woman and then they'll yes. find the other ones yeah yes. so it's smart for them but you know I know I'm and evil, a, kind of. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> evil. And I'm not a dick. Like, I wouldn't want to, like, if somebody, I know in, like, when I put in the podcast name, um, there's, like, this meetup group in the Midwest that, like, it's a women's group that uses inspired women. And I was like, I wouldn't want to be a dick and be like, nope, you actually can't use that because I trademarked no. Yeah, I know it's really funny because it actually leads to such a deeper conversation, right, about us having the trust that, who is for us will find us and that we don't need to, you know, sort of like control all the variables, which it has a lot of arguments on both sides, right? Because we look at something like Facebook or Meta and you're like, well, yeah, that is that kind of very patriarchal version of like dominating and controlling and forcing the regulation of the focus to all go in one direction. And then there's another way of life that says, yeah, I could probably profit more easily or strategically off of something, but that wouldn't fit right with my feeling of how things are supposed to go. So I'm just going to thrive in my own little way over here, my own corner of the universe. I I know there are so many ways that I can, I mean, mind you, I do have a good listenership following. I'm not, I'm not lying when it comes to that. However, I know if I put in more effort and did all these tactics that feel gross to me, I could blow it up. (laughs) 
like maybe not Joe Rogan. I don't like him. But anyways, I, I always think because when people talk about podcasts, big podcasts they are like, oh, like Joe Rogan experience. And I was like, yeah, sure. The guy has like way more followers than me. Um, but like if I wanted to do all these gross tactics that are out there, I could do it. But I don't want to. I like my mm-hmm. little part of the podcasting world where I seem to draw in the people that like vibe with yes. me. And those that I draw in that don't vibe with me, they quickly disappear. So- yes, <laughs> totally. I know. And what you're describing to me is one of the huge fundamental keys of actually finding happiness and joy and contentment in life, because so many of us have been taught that we should do these, you know, like you said, quote unquote, gross things in order to actually yes. like expand to a bigger space because we're, uh, we're just conditioned for like more, it should be bigger it's, in order to actually yes. be successful. It should be at this scale. And I think if you go through enough things in life, especially mental health things, which I'm sure we'll talk about, cause I know yeah. it's very centered in your reality too. You really start to let all of these layers peel away until you mm-hmm. understand how much of that do I actually need and how much of it is actually satiating me or how much of it becomes this insatiable quest for something that leads to that gross feeling. And then when you start dialing that back, you actually realize that you can have so many listeners, so much success of your own that fits your life without the gross feeling. Yeah. You, I see it all the time. This, this, these gross tactics with public relations people who are the bane mm. of my existence. <laughs> um, I don't want to say all of them. There are some really great ones there out there, some, that actually, there some that do their homework. They actually like personalize, write their pitches and they actually make sure like, I'm not just what we call pray and spray. Um, yep. <laughs> I'm not just doing that. I'm, I'm being intentional. Right. And I feel like they're probably getting their clients way better, like, you know, spots and, you know, stuff like that. But You know, I see it with business owners and entrepreneurs that pitch me too, where I'm just like, you just have been taught that these tactics are good for you because it's going to help you like build your business and increase when really you're not getting, um, you're not getting, you're not getting highlighted in places that really are, are aligned with your beliefs and values. you're getting spots and places that are like, meh. And to mm-hmm. me, I would rather be, and I've been featured on podcasts. I would rather be featured on podcasts. And I was an entrepreneur at one point in time. <laughs> so I would stop these things too. Um, but I would rather be featured on a podcast that I vibe really well with than be featured on a hundred podcasts that I don't vibe well with. Yes. And actually, arguably, you know, there are so many incredible metrics and in science that show that being featured on one podcast that you vibe so well with is actually going to get you more of your true people, your true circle, your true audience than being on 10 that you don't connect with because that, you know, they call it limbic resonance. It's like this limbic part of the brain that lights up when someone's just being real and they're in their real place talking about their real things. And that is so much more effective than when we're scattered all around feeling like we have to do this because of this kind of PR machine that we've grown up in. It's how we quantify our own value, like how many things instead of just how much does this one thing really feed me? Yes. Yes. No, I, yeah. And I'm glad science backs me up on things. I love it. It does. I I know me too. I'm like, yes, I'm not just making this up. It's real. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a master's student in psychology. And so I do a lot of research and like, you know, like I'm like in research, it's great because you can go, I think this thing is, is real, Mm -hmm. but now I'm going to test to see if it's real. 
And so sometimes I'm testing things that I'm really like, please let it not be real. Because <laughs> if it really is real, this is not fun because I do a lot of mental illness stigma research. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, please let, let it all fail. And then it doesn't. And then I'm sad. But then I'm like, woohoo, I can get it published. <laughs> yes, I know. And you know, it's so it's it's a sort of a sad but a good thing is that as women, that also feels so important because mm-hmm. so much of what we've felt or known or experienced gets disqualified. And then when we actually do have, you know, evidence and research and things to back it up, that is such a hugely paramount part of us making progress in, you know, global arenas, especially if it's conversations about mental health or other things that really need to be addressed and not just get written off as like, oh, feely, touchy, emotional things. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy that we need so much science and research to back it up, but thank God it's there. Cause we right. And we're improving slowly, yes. but surely. Um, so let's pivot when we're talking yes. about mental health. <laughs> um, when you applied, you talked about how you had been through some childhood trauma and I'm going to preface this. Like I do everybody. I'm not saying that you would do this, but try to keep it. Uh, it's an explicit podcast, but when we're talking about these things, mm-hmm. which trigger warning for anybody listening, you know, um, g-rated right i don't need to know the explicit things that happen i don't i'm you didn't go into detail what the trauma was but Mm -hmm. just to preface that because i personally am somebody who have been through trauma and Mm -hmm. while i've worked a lot and i'm i'm usually pretty good at like being able to hear things or read things because i read memoirs and stuff i some of my audience may not so if we Mm -hmm. could keep it kind of g-rated you know like saying like i was sexually assaulted but not like explicitly explaining what happened absolutely yes so tell us a little bit about what happened with you as a child yes okay well so my story is very unique in that i did not remember any of the trauma that happened Mm -hmm. in my childhood until i was 22 and it's a condition that's called dissociative amnesia. Mm-hmm. And it's a survival tactic that happens inside of your body. If something so inconceivable happens to you, your mind sort of just takes it and puts it on a shelf and says, can't compute that right now. Need to keep developing and moving forward. Not safe to process that. So that's just going to go over there. Yeah. So as a result, I became someone who had a, a very, very intense personality I have an intense personality anyway I'm like tons of energy I feel you, me too. Yeah, yeah exactly like, like it's I'm... not mania I promise <laughs> exactly. I, I, it's, like... just, it's just so much you know and it's you know I mean you've spoken a lot on this podcast and with different guests about having high functioning insert blank whatever that is for some yeah. people it might be you know depression or bipolarity or whatever it is um I felt like I could never fully understand like my mantra to myself in a very negative way was always like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong Mm -hmm. with me? What's wrong with me? And because other people would ask me that question because I always have this very sort of, you know, intense sort of edgy demeanor about me. So people are like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Right. So it became this, um, just sense of me thinking that's just who I am because I couldn't place it on anything. I I had these dark out sort of memories in my life, but I just assumed, okay, my parents got divorced when I was really small. I was super hellacious, you know, so obviously there's just a lot of like blacked out memories there. Um, But I did always have suspicions that maybe something else had happened. And Mm -hmm. at the time growing up, I was deeply involved in acting. I was always in conservatories and things like that. So you learn about the backstory of all of these people and their characters. And so I kind of knew my 
energy doesn't match up, like because some ingredient here of information is missing. Mm -hmm. So fast forwarding to when I was 22 years old, I had a series of just very intense experiences that changed my life, which is a podcast for probably a whole other time, but to, to you can come of, back on at exactly. another time and share. It's exactly. okay. We'll do that one. A whole I other love time. repeat. Yes. <laughs> yes it makes perfect. me happy. <laughs> Great. Because that's a whole other beautiful unpacking, but I will just say, as many of us know in the mental health space, that early 20s period is where a lot of perfect mm. storms happen, right? There's stuff that goes on with our brain chemistry and our neurophysiology and just, you know, you leaving the home and being in all of these different triggering experiences that mm -hmm. kick up the dust of things that have been down there for a very long time. So in that 22nd year, I started having these very, very um, intense health conditions. I was getting tested for like mm. autoimmunes and no one could really figure out what was going on with me. I felt like I was really losing my mind. I really was having, again, this is now a state that's called fragmentation, which mm -hmm. is something that usually precedes when it gets really bad, something like schizophrenia, which is where yeah. you just are completely fragmented in different forms of personality sort of distensions. And it also touches a little bit on, you know, DID, which is dissociative identity disorder. Yeah. But when you're 22, you don't know all these things. I didn't have all these terms. I didn't listen to all these podcasts. I didn't even right. really have sort of, you know, like a spiritual background. I kind of just felt like I'm losing it. Mm -hmm. And what happened was I started to have these really, really palpable dreams where I would wake up with um, like photographic images in my mind of people that were around my childhood or places that I'd been. And I became a little bit of like a reporter and I would go to my mom and say like, I, I, it was this person who was around at this time ever wearing a leather jacket and smoking a cigarette and where was I when this happened and essentially the long story short of it was that I discovered that I was sexually abused mm -hmm. for a few years during my childhood and that was that whole year of that coming to the surface was one of the most horrific and incredible things that could ever happen to me because what happens when you recall childhood trauma in your adult life is twofold in that all of a sudden you feel like that little tiny infant child version of yourself but you're trying to be an adult who's supposed to take care of yourself and at the same time you are able to observe the child inside of yourself mm -hmm. that is trying to make sense of this thing. So I say it was the most horrific and most valuable because most people don't get this dark gift. There's like one of my favorite quotes is someone I love once gave me a box of darkness. It took me a long time to see that this too was a gift. And mm. a lot of people don't get this dark gift of being able to actually unpack so much of your child psychology yeah. in your early adulthood. So it's my sort of blessing curse thing that happened to me in my life. And it became really the the foundation of all of the work that I do because everything that I love is all about identity and storytelling and how we tell that story of our identity. And I really believe that the quality of our life is directly dependent upon how we tell that story and mm -hmm. that we have so much more influence over that story than we think. But 
that it's not as easy as it sounds. It takes a lot of, you know, the layers of whatever your path is. For me, it was combinations of therapy and a lot of science. I'm like a big neuroscience geek because a lot of rebuilding my brain was involved. Good in for you. That's not time. my thing. No? <laughs> no. So like, what's funny too, that you say that is a lot of my friends are like that. And I used to be like that. So my obsession is kind of like packing things down into very simple. Okay. You don't have to know the science, but take a breath, hold your breath and then, you know, exhale and then think about this thing. And then people are like, great, that's way more relevant to me than you telling me about neurology yeah. that I don't care about. <laughs> yeah. The technical so, things. I'm not yes. like you talk about, you, the, don't need them. you know, right now I'm, uh, I'm taking a teaching practicum. Mm. Uh, so that's uh, someday I want to be a professor and um, it'll help, you know, on my records and stuff to say I took yeah. it, but long story short, I decided that this week's lecture, which is like a 20 minute lecture I have to make up and teach my other classmates uh, is abnormal psychology. But I decided mm. to do the mood chapter because uh, hello, I'm Michael. <laughs> um, and they talk about like some of the causes. And it was like talking about like the hypothalamic pituitary mm -hmm. access mm -hmm. and I was adrenal access. And I was like, <laughs> like static in your brain I know <laughs> yes. and that's honestly it's funny because I'm that way too but for some reason because so the podcast that we'll do another time yes. <laughs> has to do with the fact that so much of my awakening to the trauma that happened in my childhood was happening also because of some sort of neurological things that needed attention in me mm -hmm. and because I was demanded by life to get a little bit geeked out about the science of my brain, I think it saved my life. So yeah. that's why I'm actually very passionate about making it as easy, simple, applicable, just plug and play for people as possible. Because if my life wasn't on the line, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> right? Way, way too intense studying. Like, how is this going to help me survive tomorrow? You know, so I totally get what you mean. And, and I think that there's, you know, luckily, I think there's a handful of us out here now who started like that. And then life made us get a little bit geeky, but we still want things to be easy. So we can switch off. I'll, I'll give you easy things about the neuroscience stuff. And then you can make other psychological things for me yes. that are too vast. Social, to Social <laughs> psych is my Perfect. thing. Great. Yes. Uh, no, that the episode that's going to air before yours. Yeah, um, she's coming on to share. I say she she are I already talked to her. Nobody's heard it. Like yeah. when we're talking. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, she did. Uh, oh, is it transmagnetic stimulation? Wow. It's TMS. It's like yeah. they add a magnet to your brain mm -hmm. to help yes. with depression. Yes. And she was like, I don't understand the science behind it, but uh, it helps. Yes, <laughs> exactly. exactly. And that's the thing about so much of this, right? We can even just talk about it in simpler terms and in, in something like mental health, where when if you're newer on that path of understanding that there's little things that you can do or not do that can greatly affect your feeling of health in your mental scape at first you don't understand like why does that help i don't know i don't get it but the fact is it's helping you know yeah. and that's so much of the i think the healing expansive growing journey in life comes with like a little bit of willingness to say, oh, this is kind of weird or complex. I don't get it, but I'm going to try it. And then you try yeah. it and you can't deny the experience that you have. 
Yes. I'm a little jealous of you that in your twenties, you got to come to this realization because it took me in my thirties to come to this realization. Um, wait, um, I had a suicide attempt in 2013, which was in my twenties. It was in my Mm. late twenties, but it still took me many, many years of therapy to really connect. And it actually took me sitting in a domestic violence training because I knew that my ex had abused me. Mm. However, I didn't know, I didn't realize it didn't click in my brain. I had been abused growing up mm-hmm. because it wasn't so much physical abuse. Even though my mom hit me a couple of times, one time she split my lip open. Like in my mind, it was just like, whatever I was being sassy, you know, she had the right to, yeah, that sort of, you, you roll your eyes. I get it. I get it. And then um, I'm sitting in this and I realized I was the victim of emotional and psychological abuse, which was my mom is, I don't talk to her because she's still very talented at this, very talented at it. And my dad too, a little bit, but now I'm pretty positive. He also has bipolar disorder and that's not an excuse. I'm not excusing Mm. him, but I could like now looking back, I'm like, oh, he was definitely in like a manic episode and that's why he was angry. And, you know, there's something that we call bipolar rage where it, when yeah. you're manic, sometimes you can get really irritable and really angry uh, over practically nothing. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm a little jealous that you got to experience it yeah. in your 20s and it took me my 30s to really like cut have the come to Jesus. I'm not religious, but that's, you know, the best thing that comes to my mind is the come to Jesus. moment. Yes. The come to God moment. I know. Well, to be fair, though, that happened in my, in my 22nd year, that was kind of my kickoff to yet another decade. I'm 33 now. I'll actually be 34 in April. Um, Happy early birthday. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, It took me a lot of time to integrate what got kicked up. So I relate Mm -hmm. to that too, what you're saying. And I actually think it gives me chills listening to you because so much of the work that I do now with people and especially with women is this investigation process internally. What have we normalized that we don't even realize we normalize, you know, because we might say, oh, I know. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. I grew up in an angry environment. I was kind of, but the more that we l- allow ourselves to sensitize to the things we had mm-hmm. to become desensitized to in order to survive, we start to really realize, whoa, there was so much going on in yeah. there that is not normal or okay. Or You're like, wow, oh, other people don't go through this. That's I not thought everybody experiences. <laughs> yes. I got together with my spouse because I have, uh, in my lifetime, I continue to draw in tremendous Yes, people who have been through trauma mm-hmm. as we do my <laughs> spouse is probably one of the few exceptions to that rule it's beautiful. and when he's talking about his upbringing I'm like what <laughs> and then I'll say something this not anymore we've been married 12 years so he knows all of the things but in the beginning it was like and then I would say something saying it like it was relatively normal yeah. and he's just like Meg that's not right yeah <laughs> I know. I know. And that's such an intense process too, right? I mean, it's just a, uh, I'm so grateful to the women in my life who were my facilitators and my practitioners who just were Mm -hmm. able to hold that space with me, right? Because that look that you're describing, I remember seeing, it takes seeing it in another person's eyes and it's coming from zero judgment, which is what makes it powerful Mm -hmm. enough to heal you. I'm so thankful to be able to offer that experience now 
it's unbelievable that I made it to the other side. I also grew yeah. up just, you know, trigger alert to anybody who's listening in terms of suicide, but I was so shocked that I even made it to like my 22nd year because I just thought I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to be here. I was somehow survived different suicide attempts. And, yep. you know, even after my 22nd year, I went and found a practitioner who changed my life. And I remember on the first day I worked with her, I ended up working with her for five years and she said, what's going on? And I said, well, I just feel like, I just feel done. Like, I just feel good. You know, I just, I'm not yep. like in vicious pain all the time anymore. I just feel good. Like, I don't really feel like I need to be here anymore. And she said, okay, I understand. All I ask is, are you open to that being different? You don't have to make it be different. You don't have to feel just, are you open? And I said, yeah, I'm open. But it was kind of like, a non-committal flipping reply yeah. you know I was like sure try lady you know I'm like, fine whatever. now I promise <laughs> exactly whatever um and thank god she she reflected it back to me like that because it not only saved my life but it also taught me how to hold space for other people who know there's something else for me in this life mm -hmm. than what I'm living right now but we can't see at all past the fog of how, how at all would I be right. able to start peeling back those layers of all of those, you know, twisted, tampered with ways that my psychology was founded and formed. And as you're really, really in the journey more and more and more, you just continue to realize how not only possible it is, but how naturally designed we are to heal and expand. But so many people spend their life at that threshold right before because of all the stigma, because of not having safe spaces or support yes. or these kinds of conversations. And it's hard. It's hard. It is so hard and painful in the moment. But then yes. once you've gone through it, you're like, oh, I feel so much better. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're not wondering, like, I think this thing happened. Did it really happen? Like I did mm -hmm. EMDR therapy mm -hmm. oh my and gosh, that yeah, brought that... up some stuff oh, that I gosh. was just like, it did happen. It did. I'm yes. not crazy. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. You know? I know. I know. And that is such a huge, again, I have chills with you saying I'm not crazy because I think again, not just for anyone who's gone through difficult things, but especially for all women, I think that we are made to feel crazy from mm -hmm the jump you know, from the beginning of our lives. Yes. We are so often disqualified and just there's so much gaslighting around mm -hmm. our experience and what we go through and having that inner authority return to you through these kinds of, you know, somatic experiences or EMDR, even just these kinds of conversations that just yeah. open your nervous system again and give you the right and entitlement to your own feelings and your own perception and your own experience. Yes. It's a game changer. It's the difference between the life that you feel like is actually yours and just the semblance of, I guess I'm kind of living. Yeah. I loved earlier when you talked about like how your brain just kind of put it away and disassociated mm -hmm. and you mentioned disassociate disassociative identity disorder. Mm -hmm. And we did have an episode, but then they asked like, can you just please take it? I guess they were like mm -hmm. really publicly talking about it and mm -hmm. then they got a lot of hate. And so they, mm -hmm. and I'm, I respect if, a, yeah. if a guest says, please, can you take down my episode? I don't take it personally. They have their own reasons. It's happened a couple of times and usually it's a safety thing because yeah. they talked about something and then they thought that like the person they talked about, like abuser would anyways, 
um, that you didn't disassociative identity disorder. What people don't realize is these alters happen because they serve a purpose. That little bit that you put away, an alter would have that bit. That would be, they are dealing with that bit. You are not, you are not as the I don't know how to say it. The uh, original uh, person, yeah, the main, the main, <laughs> the first the main copy. Person. <laughs> there is a word, and I can't think of it. But the alters they deal with the different trauma yeah. in different mm-hmm. ways, and so it is actually kind of amazing that your brain disassociated, but didn't like create an alter to to keep that disassociation you know what I mean yes and it was very I think now looking back I can understand that it was very close so that's why that that state of fragmentation really lives right next to DID dissociative identity disorder and if I hadn't have found the different therapeutic practices and explorations that I had in that moment Many yes. of the people I was working with said it would have progressed into mm-hmm. that place because, again, out of necessity, in order to process in whatever way that your being can, it will yeah. reach for that if it's not being given other things. Mm-hmm. So thankfully for me, I was in that state where the fragmentation had reached I think the edge of creating alters because, and again, this is why, you know, neuroscience is so cool is that they've done all these tests that when people have alters or when they have, um, you know, split personalities that are very distinct, they have different (laughs) genetic profiles than their other alters. So within one human being, yes, it's fascinating. It is human. It's just unbelievable that the same human being in a different, you know, mode of their personality or their alter can have different blood work and different brain chemistry and Mm -hmm. different, you know, degenerative illnesses or not. So that was definitely happening inside of me in a certain way in that fragmentation. And that's actually what really alerted me to the fact of, oh, I might be touching an edge of something that I actually can't come back from. Yeah. And when someone told me the word fragmentation, I just had this quote pop up in my mind that I've always loved, which is um, blessed are the cracked for they let in the light. And mm. something happened in me where I understood, oh, I can't keep trying to hold myself together. I actually yeah. have to let myself totally crack open. And that was a huge turning point for me. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I've had to like really learn that I don't have the capacity that maybe other people do because Mm -hmm. I mean, even though I've done a lot of healing myself, I have a mental illness. Yes. And even when I feel like quote unquote normal, like sometimes things are just, there's so much going on there's so much to where I just have to like, be like, no, actually I have to say no to a couple of things right now because I know this could lead to a bad place. Yes. Um, and so like, you know, being really aware of like, I've been through some shit and I need to know that I can build healthy boundaries with other people, which mm-hmm. is really hard because if you didn't learn it, it all of that is it's yeah. that. And that's the funniest thing about all of it. And I don't mean funny. haha. I mean, funny, like cosmic Ironic, irony, yeah. you know, of just <laughs> my gosh, how, because when you don't have 
a moment in your childhood to orient yourself to the unique way that your, you know, sensitive system is, or that, you know, neurodiversity, again, for anybody who doesn't know, is just the same as like, you know, ethnic diversity, where we come from different places. And so we have different genealogy, and there's different ways of operating. Our brains are neurodiverse, meaning not everyone's brain operates the same way. Mm -hmm. But so many of us grew up in, in an environment where we were expected to all operate the same way. So if you yeah. are sensitive, if you have, you know, high functioning or non-high functioning mental illness of any kind, it's probably taking you your entire life just to get the moment that you needed when you were a toddler to understand, yeah. oh, I orient differently. My stimulations are different. My sensitivities are different. And I think it's like you said, it's that so hard, painful in the moment part of it, but that mm -hmm. can sometimes prevent people from a lifetime of being able to do it. So I think also if someone listens now and they're like, oh yeah, that's me. I don't, you know, I, I don't know how to build the boundaries when I never had the practice with the boundaries, but I know I need yes. the boundaries and, you know, like all of that. I think it's about sometimes just focusing on one thing at a time that mm -hmm. you know is no longer serving you. So instead of saying, oh my God, I need to restructure all of these boundaries in my life yeah. because all of my relationships are a mess in my work and my everything. Sometimes I think it's literally day by day or week by week saying, mm -hmm. okay, I know I don't feel good when I talk to that friend anymore. So yeah. just for right now, I'm just going to focus on how can I phase some of that out and how can I phase a little bit of a new community in or something like that. And I think that slow process of kind of imagine if you had like a table cluttered with stuff and yeah. instead of like ripping everything off the table, you know, it's just item by item, sort of like taking things off. And instead of thinking of adding more things, it's really about like, just what can you remove piece by piece by piece? Because yeah, the boundaries thing, especially if you have any sort of neurodiverse mental health predisposition can honestly feel life or death because you feel yeah. like if you draw boundaries that you're going to be, you know, like exiled or left alone and to die. That's really yeah. the intensity of what it feels like in your body. And I just want to urge to someone, if you hear other people's journeys and you feel like, oh, I should just be able to do all of that at once. They didn't do it all at once. <laughs> No, no, it's not at all, all at once. You know, it's, it's definitely a process and it's something I always encourage having some sort of support for, because when I started, I always had to have, you know, a practitioner or a friend or someone nearby, even if I just needed to cry on my own, I kind yes. of had to feel like someone was outside the room right there just because I was scared to be entirely alone and feel those feelings all yes. by myself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. Like just yeah. taking a shower can be yes. painful, yes. right? right? Yes. You know, all this yes. stuff comes <laughs> bubbling to the surface and you're just like, I don't even want to be in the shower right yes. now. Yes. <laughs> yes. I know. And it's so interesting that you say that because I've actually never spoken about this with anybody else because it hasn't come up. But part of me in that fragmentation state of recognizing how bad things got for me was I, I, I wouldn't want to shower for like days. And I know mm -hmm. a lot of people who go through different, you know, mental scapes, they understand that feeling. Oh yeah. Um, but I didn't make the connection at all. Like it just, for me, it was just like, Oh, I'm busy or I don't know. I don't, yes. I don't need to shower that much. You know, I just kind of like spruce up and get out there whatever justification I had for myself. Yes. But as I started taking more of those moments, I recognized, wow, it's because there's just so much stacked 
And if I go for a moment of relief, I honestly actually feel like I'm going to die from the overwhelm of everything. So that's why a lot of the work that I encourage people to do is like just modular, you know, just tiny pivots or shifts or, you know, not necessarily needing to feel like, how does this whole transformation happen right now? Just like, how can I, by six degrees, adjust my focus? There's this really incredible principle that's actually based on six degrees, which is from all of this research that they've done in a vast range of studies. So let's say someone is a professional golfer and they're training someone else in golf. If they come to that person and their swing is super off, like they're hitting the ball and it's just going nowhere near the hole. They've found that if the person who's swinging just adjusts by six degrees, the angle that they're hitting the ball, it can go right in the hole. And then similarly, but in a totally different field, like when they've done all of these studies on plastic surgery and people's obsession with symmetry and wanting a certain kind of face, even if it seems like someone wants a huge adjustment done to like their nose or their mouth or whatever it is, they found out that it's six degrees. So there's something magical about this idea of six degrees in that when we're in a really tough time or a really challenging time, or we feel like all of these changes need to happen. I live by the rule of six degrees. Like what Mm -hmm. is just a six degree thing that I can do today? That's just going to point me in a six degree different direction. Yeah. What's one shift I can make. So I am, and I mentioned this on the episode I, I mentioned earlier, the one with star with the TMS is I have just come out of probably the most significant depressive episode I have had in Mm. years. And it was bad. I am applying to PhDs and um, it was just, it was a mixture of sleep deprivation, Mm. the stress from the interviews, blah, blah, blah. I was at an interview and I could, I could feel right. I've lived with depression since I was a kid. I could feel it. I was like, Oh, there it is. It's here. And then it stayed and it wouldn't go. And then it got to like, not crisis level, but borderline where I like called my psychiatrist and I was like, listen, <laughs> you got to try something new here. Alarm bells. <laughs> I cannot even process right now. Right. Mm. You need to be at a place where you could process. And so when I started to come out of that, I had to think like, what is going on in my life that contributed to this? Now, mm-hmm. yes, I have bipolar disorder. Obviously there's all that going on with the brain chemistry and stuff, but I have been in treatment. I have been medicated. I've been all the things and doing well for so long, like, and having only mini episodes, why did I have this? And then I had to think like, well, the PhD applications is really stressing me out. I haven't been accepted anywhere. I haven't heard from like Mm -hmm. five schools and I don't know what's going on. All right. I'm not talking about that anymore. I'm not, I don't need to until I hear something. I don't need to talk about it. I don't. And I've set that boundary with people where I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Right. I looked back, I'm like, what are the things that used to make me feel good, right? What what have I let go that made me feel good? I haven't meditated in like a year. I started just small, right? Just five, 10 minutes a day in the morning, um, small. I haven't done yoga in like six months. I love yoga, but you know what? I don't have a lot of time. All right, I can do like 10, 15 minutes in the morning. I yes. can do that. I can't do it around my kids because they drive me batshit crazy. So I do it in my room. I was like, how can I do it and not be stressed out while doing it? I can do it in my bedroom. I just take my laptop, I set it up and I do it in my bedroom. So these little tiny changes that I've been making, 
Um, and really being honest with people, like, I don't have the capacity for this right now. I'm sorry. I can't be like the best friend or spouse or mom right now, but I'm just being honest with you. I don't have the capacity. My kids are preteens. So they understand that it's not like I'm talking to toddlers making these little changes and building these boundaries and being self-aware has significantly helped me not like backslide into that depression. So anyways, long story short, I can totally relate to what you're talking about. These little tiny changes, minute changes that aren't really like I didn't change my entire life. (laughs) Yes. I'm sure so many people listening can relate to what you're talking about, especially women, because we are you know, the superheroes of doing a thousand things at a time. And while that's amazing, it's incredible that we can professionally plate spin and literally hold up the world. There's only so many plates you can spin at once. So much, you know, it's always in a moment going to come crashing down. So I think that you sharing that again, I just, I have chills because it makes me feel very, deeply moved to think about other women becoming more and more open about these conversations. Mm -hmm. And I think that so much of, again, that stigma of if we're going to do something, we're going to have to be able to do it the best all the way, uh, like for an hour perfectly. And that is such a, such a veneer around, you know, the good enough, good enough is enough. Just, just enough. Even sometimes, you know, it's like, it didn't have to be good. Like you just, whatever you did, it wasn't good, but it's enough. It's just enough. I saw a woman at the gym yesterday who was clearly a mom. She was just in mom mode and she was like doing her leg curls on the machine, but she was FaceTiming her kid. And I was like, good for you. You just, got it in you know whatever your kid did, did something but you didn't stop you didn't leave the gym but you were there for your kid and that's your balance mm-hmm. and I think even actually how you described what you described in gathering this data from yourself of coming out of this episode is super powerful for people because you described all the main keys of how I think identity work can change your life which is the first thing is that sheer, deep, transparent self-honesty of you Mm -hmm. saying, hey, this is what I got, this is what I don't got, and this is what it is right now. That moment usually takes us getting to a total breakdown, like of absolutely- I mean, I was close. You know, that's what I- I (laughs) I was on the edge of that. That's unbelievable. (laughs) And I think that, again, and that's that's just how I think it's going to be until we have more conversations like this so that- more people start to feel it as you're creeping up to it instead of when you're pressed up against the wall, but to just be, Hey, Hey, I'm starting to feel a little unlike myself. I'm starting to feel like, I don't know what's going on. And once you get that deep, transparent self-honesty about what you have and what you don't have, then checking in with all those, you know, they call them like the hackables. There's a lot of things in life you can't hack. Like there's a lot of things we don't understand. There's things we can't explain. Yeah. But in a way you can hack like little things like your body or your mind by saying, Hey, five minutes of meditation or breathing here, or just stretching for two minutes when I can't do yoga for 30 minutes, people underestimate, I think the power of like two minutes. You know, there's busy days when I literally only have two minutes. And instead of opening Instagram and scrolling or whatever I used to do, if I just, you know, just like close my eyes and just breathe for two minutes and my entire day is different. My entire day is different. Setting boundaries with my phone again. So I was a women's empowerment coach at one point in time. And I taught all of these amazing things to other women. And I actually did all of these amazing things. And then over <laughs> yes, the years and stress and everything, slip. it's it's all slipped away. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm like, 
All right, my phone, which is right here only because I needed the code to get into Zoom, but I've been putting it away, right? In another room when I'm yes. doing other things, because if I have it right next to me, it's so easy to just pick it up. And yes. people think I'm crazy for this. I don't have notifications on my phone for any social media. Me too. Like it doesn't show me the numbers. It doesn't ding, nothing. Yes, thank it's you. It's magical. Yes. <laughs> I cannot recommend it enough. <laughs> the science is actually there because our brains yes. are not programmed for technology. So we hear the ding and our brain goes into emergency mode. And even if you don't answer, whatever it is, it stays in the back of your brain and you can't function at full capacity because your brain's back there going emergency, emergency, you got to answer this. And people don't realize that's why it's so magical to shut off all of those notifications of everything you don't need. Even email. Like, do I really need my email to ding every time I get an email? No, because half of them aren't even like relevant to this moment in time. So message or messages, text messages and phone calls are the only yeah. and obviously reminders and, you know, calendar yeah. things, but nothing else sends me a notification on my phone. And yeah. it's magical. It is magical. And that's your essential balance, which is why it's so beautiful. And again, if anyone's listening and they're like, oh, I don't know, that's great. That's great. I couldn't break up with all of my notifications at once. Again, remember like why? The six degree. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Just choose like do I really need the notifications from that thing? Okay, let me try to put that one away. Right. And then over time, you know, just noticing like, okay, I don't need that one. I can check it voluntarily. Maybe I can turn off some email notifications and only keep on the ones that are coming from, you know, and I, that that balance of finding your own sort of need, want balance that that yes. is yes and i also think that the fact that you were a women's empowerment coach and then now you're going through and have gone through everything that you're going through makes you a really powerful weapon for women because you understand things from all sides you know and I that do. is and that is something again that i think is so important is none of this is ever done or over mm-hmm. you know that's if if someone is working with you or facilitating part of your growth. If you're, you know, you've got like a a success coach or you've got an empowerment coach or whatever kind of coach or therapist or facilitator practitioner that's in your life, they're going through the same peaks and valleys that you're going through. It's just at a different timeline. Mm -hmm. And that's why they have a different timeline and a different tool bag. And so they can offer you the support that you need, but it doesn't mean that there is ever an impervious, perfect person woman out here who's just done and complete and finished and not going to have another, you know, episode of her own, whatever her own thing is, because she always will. (laughs) And I think that's a huge gift that we can all give ourselves to understand, like, this doesn't ever need to be done. Mm -hmm. I can stop beating myself up for the next time that something got hard for me again, or I forgot that thing that helped me and then I didn't do it anymore. And so then maybe I ended up in another toxic relationship or another toxic work environment or whatever it is. And if we can actually understand that, even though it might feel like sometimes we're repeating the same lessons or going through the same things, we actually can create this way of coming out of those things where we always have more strength and resource and information on our side that we've collected by going through it. Yeah. And it sounds like that's what happened in terms of, you know, you reach this edge and then you understood what was going on, mm-hmm. but instead of just telling yourself, Oh my gosh, I shouldn't be here anymore. I, I don't know why this would happen. I'm, 
I'm beyond this. You, you knew how to actually reach out for the help that you needed, do some of the things that you could, and then navigate yourself to have even more coming out of it than before you went into it. Yeah. And let's just be honest. Like you were talking about practitioners are in a different, I was untreated bipolar disorder and a women's empowerment coach. And yeah. several of my clients have gone on to grow their businesses in such big ways yes. that I'm absolutely shocked <laughs> with life that I did. Like, not that I did it, but I contributed because they've reached out and said, Hey, I just want to tell you the things you taught me. Like they helped me. So, and I was untreated bipolar disorder. Okay. I was just like, but I had learned so much that I could share with other people, yes. but I did. And I didn't stop because I was unsuccessful. I stopped because I don't want to be an entrepreneur. I don't want to be my own <laughs> boss. I need a boss. I don't like all the stress that comes with being an entrepreneur and having to do all the things and manage other people. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm out. So <laughs> I, I, that's why I stopped. I stopped in 2018. So that was like almost like five years ago. Um, but yes, it was not for me, but yeah. yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's like, yeah, people have learned things they can teach you. Right. Yes. And, and you, you mentioned different kinds of coaches. I feel like we all are kind of the same. We just yes. call ourselves different things. Different things. Like, totally. And we don't teach exactly the same thing, but we teach similar things. Yes. And, you know, it's really powerful to learn from people who have been there and done that. Cause I had to learn those lessons I taught my clients in a very hard way mm-hmm. but then once I learned them then I'm like is there science to back up what I mm-hmm. learned oh there is okay <laughs> <laughs> I know and it's I mean I just I love that you're actually speaking to so many things that I feel like are you know they're in the collective experience right now because even you talking about being an entrepreneur um and then not wanting to be an entrepreneur I think that's something that a lot of women right now also can really relate to. Some yeah. women right now will probably really relate to the era where they're deeply in their entrepreneurialism and they're super excited mm-hmm. about that. And maybe they will be one of those people that goes on to grow something that's huge and massive Amazing. for themselves. Yes. Amazing. And I also have, I'm, I'm more that person. I'm very like Aries. I need to be my own boss. I want my own schedule. I'm that like, you know, a freedom junkie. Like that's me yes. all day, all night. I'm a Gemini. <laughs> See, so <laughs> exactly. You know how to like have all of these different things going on. <laughs> <laughs> and you need like something that's stable and through the line. Yeah. But I think that it is a little bit of a sensationalism that we're living in right now where women feel like, okay, not only now do I need to be this awesome woman and this awesome mom and this awesome wife, I also now need to be a successful entrepreneur. I need to make something out of whatever I'm doing and like make a six figure, seven figure business, whatever it is. And it's just become yeah. another layer of our intensity on ourselves. Yes. And I, I just stress for anyone that if you feel like what you're pursuing is even a little bit just in service to some ideal that you have of yourself or who you should be. I crack that open a little bit, you know, and really look at it because there's nothing wrong with, I've gone down so many paths that I thought were for me. And then they went, and I'm sure I will continue to, and it's a beautiful, necessary part of life. But I think that a lot of women I know actually don't let themselves crack open to that state of, Hey, maybe I don't want to be an entrepreneur. Maybe I actually want a solid stable salary, or maybe I actually am really happy staying at home. And like, my husband is cool with that. And I rather do that. And that's what I want to do. And it really loops back to the very first thing that we were talking about in terms of just reconnecting 
to your inner authority. Like, how do you really feel about something? What yeah. really serves the balance of your version of success, your kind of experience in this life that you feel like is worthwhile. And just remember again, to be kind to yourself because since the day that you were born as a woman, the whole world taught you to value other people's authority over your own. And so yes. if you ever feel like you get lost in the muck and the mire, and maybe you get lost there a lot, instead of getting hard on yourself and thinking like, oh, I'm just indecisive. I don't know what I want. I, I, I'm not strong. I don't have conviction. Just again, go into that exploration of, okay, okay, okay. A lot of people taught me to listen to what they said before I even had a chance to learn how to listen to myself. How can I do six degrees every day of just listening to myself? Is that breathing? Is that walking? Is that talking out loud to a friend who I know gives me the space to do that? Is that mm -hmm. getting a coach? Is that going to a program? Is that whatever it is, but just being in service to listening to your own authority alone has the power to change your reality. Mic drop. <laughs> um, yeah so as we wrap up the podcast because i'm like looking at the time i'm like oh shit we went over i know time. it happened so and like, quickly and amazingly like, i loved it <laughs> i love it when i have good vibes with guests like yeah. i had a couple of episodes where it was like i had to literally pull oh, no. things out of people yeah. and i'm like this is not fun for me please make this fun for me because this is my hobby <laughs> I don't know. So as we wrap up the podcast today, what would you like to leave the inspired women audience with? I love that question. I would love for every woman listening to feel resourced within herself, understanding that no matter where you are, no matter what your finances are like, or your relationships are like, or where you feel like you're at in your life or your career or whatever, that there are inner resources you have right now that are available to you and that those inner resources are enough. So to be resourced to me means to just have a moment where you can like feel your breath in your own body, get up or lie down or whatever it is that's present in your being and just mm -hmm. slow down time a little bit and all of your thoughts and understand that you have so much more within you than you've been taught to look for in the world around you and just trust in that resource to follow you step-by-step step to the thing that's for you. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm like, yes, let's do the things. People. <laughs> um, so Tiani, thank you so much for coming on yeah, the podcast today. That's present in your being and just mm -hmm. slow down time a little bit and all of your thoughts and understand that you have so much more within you than you've been taught to look for in the world around you and just trust in that resource to follow you step-by-step step to the thing that's for you. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm like, yes, let's do the things. People. <laughs> um, so Tiani, thank you so much for coming on yeah, the podcast thank today. Thank you for being a part of the Inspired Women audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating review. And don't forget to share this out with somebody who could use some inspiration today. Tag us at Inspired Women Podcast, both on Facebook and Instagram. Have a great day.